This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everybody, you are On The Grid for another week. Thanks to mypodcasthouse.com and our great mates at Truck Assist, who have just announced they're jumping over to Tickford Racing for 2020 on board Lee Holdsworth's Ford Mustang. More on that a little bit later on. We'll get into the show very, very shortly. But before that, I want to tell you about an event coming up at the Bend Motorsport Park in South Australia. It's called the Bend Classic, and it launches on December 7 to 8. It's going to be very, very exciting. Two days of action, practice on Saturday, and a super sprint on Sunday that will conclude with a shootout of all the fastest cars. It'll run on the three different circuit layouts, west and east, east circuit for the first time, and the international circuit that you know from supercars, TCR and S5000. But the cars are particularly special as well. It will be headlined by the Brabham BT62, which is actually the fastest ever car at the Bend Motorsport Park. There'll also be a host of Adelaide-era Formula One cars, including cars from Williams, BMS, Scuderia, Dallara, LaRousse, La a couple of those, and a very, very cool turbocharged Tolman. Barana Racing will be there with their Reynard 94D. There's a bunch of Porsches. There's a twin turbo Audi R8, some Ford GT40s, time attack weapons, and a whole lot more. It's going to be very cool, and there's more cool cars coming soon including some stuff from the States with a, an Indy and a car in their name. Uh, we'll keep you posted on that. It's very, very exciting. Uh, we're looking forward to it. We'll be covering it here on uh, The Grid and on theracetalk.com. So for more information, head to thebend.com.au. We'd love for you to check it out. Right, on to the show. Tony Shebeki still on, I don't know if we're going to call it on reporting duties. He's basically gone to the States on a junket to see some wrestling with his boy. Uh, there'll be some podcasting stuff out of that, I'm sure. Not on this particular program, but whatever comes out of it, I'm sure it will be very, very interesting. He tells me he's got a great a great segment on New York taxi drivers coming up, so that's going to be one to yeah. look out for. Uh, we are looking back on the grid to the Newcastle 500, the final round of the Virgin Australia Supercars Championship. My name's Richard Crail. Great to have your company this week, uh, an excellent panel joining us. Dale Rogers on school kid duties tonight, so uh, he's off, but a couple of award winners are joining me, and I'm very excited to announce them both. We start with the winner of the Supercars Action Photo of the Year for the Bathurst-Tickford tear-up. It's our very own Mark Walker. Hello, Mark. Thank you, Tickford Racing. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, six-time winner Richard Crail who has absolutely let the side down this year. What yes. went wrong, mate? Oh, just uh, effort. Effort. I, I can't blame yeah, anything but... else. <laughs> I've got nothing else to blame. Yep, didn't clearly did not commit hard enough. Uh, so there you go. But you held the racetalk.com flag high, my friend. Nicely done. Cracking photo. Uh, head to the racetalk.com and the current edition of the Power Rankings. And you can see that photo in action because we unanimously voted it as hot from the weekend. So uh, it happened two months ago, but it's still hot. Now, on the other uh, side of the line is a man who's won more awards in the last week than Scott McLaughlin has because not only did he pick up a couple of gongs at the Supercars Media Association Awards on Friday night in Newcastle, but for the very first time, he picked up the big gong at the Supercar Gala on Monday night for the media member of the year. I'm talking about the editor of speedcafe.com, the UK's finest, Mr. Tom Howard. G'day, Tom. 
Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's an unusual uh, chance to, to talk to you guys on this podcast. I don't normally get a chance to do this. No, well, we're very fortunate to have you on board, my friend, because you've had a cracking year. First things first to you, congratulations, mate. Well deserved. You grind harder than most in this game, getting to the bottom of all the crazy stories going on this year more than any, I would have thought. Uh, what was it like to be recognised by the series at the Gala Awards on Monday night? Yeah, I have to say it was. Uh, it was. I was quite shocked, to be honest with you. I don't. I. I still part of me doesn't really feel like I deserve to pick that up. But uh, it was. Yeah, really cool. A, a lot of people said uh, a lot of nice things last uh, last night on Monday night. And um, yeah, kind of hit. You kind of hits home when when people actually come up to you and sort of talk to you about your work because when you it's sort of in the when you're doing it, you don't really think about it and the effect that it has uh, on people. And then when people actually come up to you, say, "Oh, yeah, that was really good." Like. It's kind of strange, but uh, nice to hear. So yeah, it's also sort of tinged with the, with the sadness as I'm off off back to uh, England next year. So mm. not going to see a lot of these places for a while. So um, yeah, it was quite uh, quite emotional last night. But uh, I have to say, obviously, a big thanks to uh, to Crusher for uh, you know giving me a shot in the first place seven years ago, and then uh, certainly to the rest of the rest of my team that I've worked with and all the guys that I've worked with previously. Over the years, um, yeah, it's it, it's everyone should take some credit in that. It's uh, we work really hard, and it's uh, yeah, it's a cool achievement. I've got to say, it's it's something I won't forget. No, you know that you're a really good journo there, Tommy. When they start to recognise you when you're gone, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to see whether uh, people do remember me when uh, next year. <laughs> but, uh, well. Uh, We'll see, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been a fun seven years. Uh, I've, I've certainly learnt a few phrases. Uh, tear up <laughs> comes to mind. Um, there's uh, a lot of things that I've seen that I'd never thought I'd ever see uh, in motorsport that have happened in that period. So yeah, it's it's been a it's been a journey. My uh, and we won't eulogise, mate, because we know you'll be back. But uh, my favourite one was when you were wandering around the Adelaide Motorsport Festival paddock last year and saw an ex-British touring car E30 BMW and had this just look of why on earth is that thing in Adelaide? Um, you never know what pops up in Aussie Motorsport, do you? No, that was, that was pretty cool, actually. Yeah, as uh, genuinely the car that uh, got me into the motorsport. So it was uh, it was pretty cool to see that. And I hadn't seen it for such a long time. So, yeah, it was such a bizarre moment, that one. Uh, boys, what do we make of the final round of the championship? It, it had something of an anticlimactic feeling about it. And, and I think we've been spoiled over the last two years in Newcastle with thrilling title deciders. 2017 was all-time one of the great supercar showdowns. 2018 was the road to redemption for McLaughlin. It was the the dramas that, that went on throughout that year with the, the Falcon fighting off the ZB Commodores. So we rolled into this weekend with a team's championship on the line, but that was about it. And I don't know what you two think, but for mine, a team's championship is great for the teams, but outside of that, few people really care about it. So it just didn't quite have that impact, did it, last weekend? Yeah, you're kind of right. Um, we've been sport over the last couple of years, with, as you're right, with some excellent title showdowns there. Um, the team's title, like, I get it. it. It does mean a lot to the teams, but I guess it's quite hard to convey that to the fans. So... It doesn't have that sort of knock-on effect, I suppose, because um, they don't, I suppose, really understand 
everything that goes in in that the teams all the effort the teams go through and everything they go to try and actually do to bizarrely to try and get the first garage in pit lane which is mm. kind of a strange thing when you think about it on paper but it actually does mean a lot um so yeah i kind of agree with you but it would have been it's kind of difficult this year scott mcclock has been so good that you, you just can't you know it was just one of those years it was going to be a case where even back in uh, sort of winter you thought well this isn't going to go down to the wire so People should have sort of been expecting this, I think. You know what, It's it's been an interesting year and I think the big takeaway from the weekend for mine is that even though it was a dead rubber, wasn't there some passion from the fans? Obviously, that these straight tracks really do pack the fans in and they all still turned up there on the weekend, but there's a bit of spite back in it all. The fans are really involved. Obviously, some of them are taking a bit too far on social media and whatnot, but trackside, they're all invested in it. Like I haven't seen in a very, very long time. We're talking, you know, ten, fifteen years, sort of thing. So I think that's that's good that we've got a dominant red team, we've got a dominant blue team. They're both doing an awesome job, and uh, I think it sort of sets up a really spicy twenty twenty. Yeah, well, I was going to touch on that, and and I think that's a valid point about the fans. And you you bang on. It it's more passionate than it's been for a long time, and it's not just us that's noticed it. It's the drivers that have pointed it out. Both those on the red side of the camp and those on blue as well. And, and I think what we've seen in the last couple of rounds is a return to those two teams in particular, Red Bull Holden Racing Team, Shelby Power Racing, being basically inseparable. Now, they'll go through the parity process again, but you get the vibe, Tom, that these last couple of rounds have just given us an indication, and Newcastle especially, uh, that next year... With, with both of them being on top of their respective new cars, ZB Commodore going into year three, Mustang into year two, that we're, we've got a potential to enter into a really special era with those two teams just absolutely on the utter limit of trying to beat each other up on the racetrack, which, in theory, should provide really good racing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I think you're right. This year, the, we've really seen um, that team battle between... You know, DJR, Team Penske, and, and Triple Eight really intensify. It's been simmering over the last couple of years, but this year it's really kind of exploded. And the sort of parity debate has probably helped that this year to to explode somewhat. But you're right; the next year is going to be really interesting because we saw with uh, this year with Triple Eight and the, just the change of the the twin spring. Um, they that really sort of outfoxed them for a bit early in the year, but there's far more changes going to happen next year. So it's going to be keen. To, I'm keen to see how both teams cope with all those changes: the lack of aero, the reduced engine power, you know, the control dampers. There's at least three things there, three really interesting variables that the teams have got to get their heads around. And I'm I'm kind of hoping actually that uh, another team actually sort of steals a march on on this. And it, it, a bit like when Brad Jones racing. Um, in 2013 with the car of the future, they really yeah. sort of got their heads around it quicker uh, than most, and they were right in the mix. I'm hoping that, that we get something like that next year and someone unexpected comes in. I think that would be really cool. You know you know what this current feels like to me? It feels like 2004, 2005, 2006, when you had Ambrose, you had Russell Engel, you had um, Lounsey on the blue side, you'd have Scaifing Greg Murphy on the red side. It was just real niggle, and you're bang on there. I mean, we go into next season, okay, we now know where the playing field is at, and it's pretty tight still between the top two red and blue teams, but it's going to blow it all up, open again. You're going to have the smartest guys once again 
coming to the forefront. And that's the thing with these big teams. They're able to... It's, sort of a, it's a game of success breeds success, isn't it? Because they win races, they get the sponsorships, they're able to buy the best people to put in place, and that just breeds more success. So you've got a lot of smart operators at those top teams, and you'd think that they should be able to overcome these things that are going to be thrown their way during the off-season, Rich. Uh, what do we make of the shift uh, of, of the changes Tom mentioned? The, the control damper is arguably going to make the biggest difference. Most agree that the horsepower drop last year is only marginal. That's not going to change an enormous amount in the way the cars perform. Certainly the aero, which has been such a big talking point this year, is going to be a change. The, the car balance will be different. They need to work on. But the, the change to a, a stock damper across the field is going to be monumental for the category because it's... The first time it's happened and shocks and dampers are the biggest area where these teams have been spending cash or one of the biggest areas uh, and trying to find that edge and, and the, the dyno, the shock dyno programs that these teams run are, are huge. So, Tom, this is a, a massive change, isn't it? And and I think of, of the scenarios you listed with another team potentially getting a leap on it early, I, I reckon that's the scenario, that's the area where they could do that. And it could be a Tickford who are there or thereabouts anyway, but it could be a, a WAU who have been struggling in that sort of side or Kelly Racing that really steal a march with this control damper and, and burst out of the blocks really well early next year. And how good would that be from a from a sort of fan point of view and from a, you know from a TV point of view? Like mm-hmm. to see someone else come up there and, and give the other two teams a little run for their money. I think that'd be great. But like you said, yeah, as Mark made a very good point there, the people with the smartest guys usually get on top of it far, you know, quickest and fast. So um, you, you'd have to say at the moment, Triple Eight and DJR Team Pesky are going to be the teams to beat. And what we shouldn't forget is that uh, obviously Jeremy Moore is back at Triple uh, Eight, so he's an extremely intelligent man. And uh, something that's probably gone a little bit under the radar actually over the weekend, he was there. Yeah. Uh, sort of just having a little look about. Um, but um, he's going to be a key player for Triple Eight next year. And he's sort of like a, you know, one of those sort of Ludo figures. Um, so who knows what will happen uh, with his involvement at Triple Eight again? We could really see them come back to the fore. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Um, I think there's still so much to be said for that the front geometry, which is the freedom that these cars still have, uh, and how this shock will correspond with what uh, the teams run in their geometry there. So, I mean, that, that's going to be interesting because these... So, it, has it been announced that it's going to be a super shock or is that uh, the rumour that was going around? It is, a, it is a super shock, yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be a change for, for both those top teams. So, it'll be something completely new to them and, you know, maybe it'll come back to help the Erebus guys who've been running those. Yeah, and that's that's the other scenario, isn't it? So let's let's before we look too far forward into next season, let's just pull apart some of the other results on the weekend. Uh, now, like you, Tommy, you, you've gone and swept all of the awards, and and then you're disappearing back to the UK. Uh, Tim Slade finally got back onto the podium, and he's out of a drive at Brad Jones Racing. But first and foremost, it was nice to see the Slade dog back up towards the front of the field, and a really good podium for Brad Jones Racing. Uh, he hadn't been in the top 10 of a race since Phillip Island, uh, Tim Slade. He got one uh, surfers on uh, the Saturday there, but otherwise it had been a really, really lean streak. 
and basically four months without a top 10 finish while his teammate Nick Perkett was racking and stacking them up in the other car. So it's a funny kind of scenario, isn't it, that uh, all of a sudden you're out of a drive, but you go and post two of your best performances of the year. Yeah, and if ever he wanted to sort of advertise himself or put him in the shop window, that was the right time to do it, I guess, certainly with a few more seats sort of not quite confirmed yet. So um, that's that's good for Tim. Obviously, it's been a, it's been a, such a shame for him this year. Um, started off quite strongly, actually. Yep. It was in it was in the top five of the championship, but then just had a real, real poor period. And he was talking on on Sunday night, just saying that his engineer actually sort of found something in the car at Pukekohe that that sort of. And after that, they've just been great. So it's just been sort of one issue that they've just struggled to sort of find. And then once I did did get on top of it, he's been back on the pace again, which means it sort of begs the question: What could he have done if they'd have found that earlier? Which um, it's, uh, it's a shame for him, and um, but yeah, really good to see him back to his best and and back on the podium. He's a he's a great character, and I hope uh, I genuinely hope he sort of finds uh, finds his way for next year because I think it'd be sad to see him without a drive. Yeah, he started the season six uh, finishes in the top ten out of the first seven races, and he was the only guy at Brad Jones this year to get a podium. He got a podium there at Melbourne on that crazy Saturday afternoon race when. Uh, there's a bit of a, a a punch on there on the on the formation lap. <laughs> so I mean, everyone's up and about about Nick Perkett did a great job to finish in the top ten there in the championship, but uh, he didn't have any podiums to his credit at the end of the season. So good to see Timmy back out there, and uh, certainly if you put yourself forward, that's a good time to do it. Um, you know, it, you, you look at the life that guys like Garth Tander and Craig Lowndes have lived this year. Being a, a co-driver in a frontline car doesn't seem to be a bad thing. Like, if you're Tim Slade and you can go and jag something with one of these top teams, it's probably not a horrible career move. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Mark, what do you make of Tickford Racing? They they were oddly anonymous on the weekend. Cameron Waters was, was very, very solid, fast in qualifying, which was really impressive. And that sort of bodes well for his ability to step up as, as what will be a de facto team leader next year in the absence of Chas Mostert in the 55. But... They just had one of those weird weekends. Will Davison was never really on the pace. Lee Holdsworth was sort of on the pace. Um, and Chaz really wasn't got to six with some interesting moves in that final race. But they, they had a strange one, didn't they? Yeah, it's one of those deals. Did, did they crash into each other? No. Did we figure that out? I think we found some... I think we had some photos on the race talk that might have said otherwise. Well, that, there might have been a little bit of contact. There was a hairy moment. Light contact. Yeah, light contact. They didn't end up fencing each other like your award-winning photo from Bathurst. Um, there was a hairy moment in the Sunday race where uh, where Chaz went up the inside and they had a little exchange down through the S's there on the back of the circuit, turned three, four, and five, and... Um, we all sort of thought that would end in tears, but they got out the other side, which was good for them and a disappointment to others that hope to see it. But, uh, yeah, Tommy, strange year for those guys uh, in, in an otherwise dominant car, especially at the start of the season in the hands of Scott McLaughlin especially. Um, is it a year of potential or promise unfulfilled for Tickford, do you think? Um, I think you've got to sort of look back to the year before where they had an absolute dire year by their own standards. So if you compare the two, they, they, they would say, I'm sure they would say this year's been a, a success mm. because let's remember 20, uh, 2018 was not uh, not a good time for a Tickford. Yep. But you're, yeah, you're right. You know, they've had the, the Mustang has been the car to have this year. So you would have said, you know, on paper, probably should have had a few more wins. Um, but let's, let's be honest though, they've, they've always been. 
there or thereabouts. Uh, they're probably the third best team at most events. So I think, strictly speaking, I think I think they'd be happy with that. I, I, I reckon they'd be disappointed that they haven't got more wins and podiums, but I think on the whole, I think they would be happy. And they... Tommy, one for you. They're, sorry there, Rich. Yeah. Uh, you know, they had four cars in the top ten in the championship. All, all four of their drivers have wound up on the podium at various times. But the big thing from the weekend, for mine with that team, Adam DeBorah leaving, is that going to make their life a bit more difficult next year? Uh, I'm not so sure about that. I, I mean, Adam, don't get me wrong, Adam's a top engineer, but he, he really does click with Chaz. There's something about those two that just really work together. They work together really well. Um, they've had a bit of an engineering reshuffle there this year, but I generally think they've, they've done a lot better on that front and the engineering front this year. And I'm not. I'm not necessarily. I don't necessarily think him going is going to be that uh, that major drama for the team. I think they've got enough strength and depth in that department to to uh, certainly uh, be more than comfortable for next year. I was actually just going to make that point for four cars in the top ten, which is a terrific achievement. Speaking of top ten finishes, here's a stat for you boys: uh, Walkinshaw Andretti United in the first twenty four races of the 2019 season. They had exactly 14 top 10 finishes between their cars. Since Bathurst, in the four events and eight races since then, they've had 13 top 10 finishes between their two cars. And perhaps more impressively, while the co-driver stuff was great over the Enduros, and where that team usually shines, both James Courtney and Scott Pye had terrific single driver form on the weekend, and both of those cars were legitimate top six contenders on pace in both races. Tom, do you think this is a legitimate turnaround for that team after an absolutely shocking start to the season, or do we still need to hold our breath and wait and see what happens to that outfit, bearing in mind there's wholesale change coming there next year? Yeah, I think you're right with the latter part of that, uh, Richard, because there's going to be so much change there next year. It's really hard to sort of predict just... Just what we're going to see from them uh, in 2020, but I think yeah, they, by their own admission, they're, they're not happy with how this year's gone. Um, and right, I, I can understand why, but uh, yeah, so there's certainly the back end of the year has been a lot stronger. It's um, it's kind of I don't know how I don't know what uh, why that is. I'll be honest, it's a it's an interesting debate that one as to what's gone on there. But they've had a lot of engineering sort of shuffles around this year. They've moved a lot of people around. They've tried different things. On the weekend, for example, they were trying the Super Shock damper. Um, that seemed to work for them um, on the weekend. So maybe they're just trying a lot of things for next year in this back half of the season, knowing that you know the sort of the year was kind of over before it started, I guess, uh, in a sad way. But um, maybe that that's, maybe that's the case. But I think you're right. This sort of we've got to sort of just wait because obviously two new drivers, a new engineering lineup. It's going to be wholesale changes there. Obviously, rule changes as well, as we've highlighted earlier. It's uh, There's a lot there for them to get on top of for next year. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. I think uh, they could be a dark horse next year. Bryce Forward is the name put forward there for the second seat. How do we think he'll go stepping up to the main game? Obviously, he didn't rip a job winning the uh, Dunlop Super 2 this year, but uh, big step up in class. What do you think? What do you think? How do you think he'll go? Well, I, I, that's a good question. And I, I, he was one of those drivers that I'd had an asterisk next to. I wasn't really sure where to size Bryce up. He'd spent a long time in Super 2. He went straight in there out of karting. 
Um, didn't do a lot of the other junior formula that a lot of drivers do. So was very, very raw in terms of his uh, supercars career. Um, but this year, as you said, did such an outstanding job in the uh, in the Nissan for Matt White Racing in Super 2. But what sold it for me was his enduro drives with Andre Heimgartner at Kelly Racing. And Andre's been a, a terrific, terrific performer this year. And in a Nissan that's been there or thereabouts, but has, has struggled more often than not, but I thought Bryce's performance in all three of the co-driver races were outstanding. And, and Tom, for me, that's that's probably what gives me confidence that when it's announced that he goes to that seat, he'll be in a position where he can have a really solid rookie year and contribute to that team alongside Chas Mostert. Absolutely. He's also uh, shown he can uh, do a 360 and keep it in the, <laughs> yeah. on, the, on the track and, uh, and keep it going and not lose a spot, which is a skill that not many have. So... Um, yeah, that joking aside, he's been um, he's been awesome this year. He has been very very good, and you're right. The enduro drivers are what what I think's really sort of stood out as as uh, you know, so sort of basically him saying I'm ready to step up. Um, mm. I think he's I think he is ready. Um, I'm genuinely looking forward to uh, should he get the seat as we all think he will. I um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he goes because I think it's good to have another fresh young face on the grid. Um, uh, certainly will be one that Warwick and will, will ruffle some feathers as well. He's not frightened to uh, you know mix it with the best. So I think he's going to be a good, uh, certainly one to watch for next year. I think that's that's where I'll be looking. Uh, the Nissans, uh, not the farewell they wanted to give the ultimate after its years of service in supercars, uh, a weekend that was, was probably endemic of where that car and that team have been at for a while in that they've, they seem to be able to get one car somewhere competitive but the other three irrespective of which ones they are uh are further down the field so rick kelly finishes 17th in the championship one behind andre heimgartner simona 19th and gary jacobson in his first full year in 23rd so um some bright spots without it heimgartner's podium at phillip island was outstanding he had a terrific weekend uh at queensland raceway he was good at the start of the Ben motorsport park rick kelly's had Patches of brilliance, as always. Simona posted her best two and three results of the season, her first top ten, and then a seventh in race to a Pukekohe that crazy, crazy afternoon in New Zealand. Um, but a disappointing farewell, Mark. You, you had an involvement with that team through their Jack Daniels sponsorship back in the earlier days. Probably not how they would have wanted to get rid of the Ultima from Supercars, but it, it almost seems like that was always how it was going to be. They, they were never going to go out with a bang and win a race, were they? No, but uh, you know, the hope was always there that the cars could uh, jag something, but yeah, they, they were nowhere on the weekend. And I think obviously the focus has moved to the new Mustangs. Um, a lot of hopes about that next year. Apparently some talk of some uh, a step up of cash going that way to, to make all that work. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And obviously uh, contracting down from four to two cars, obviously they want to run some DVS, so Super 2 cars. So they'll have the uh, handpick of the staff there to put on the main game cars. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Obviously, a few questions about their engine program. Obviously, they're starting from scratch there with those older Stone Brothers cars. So they'll have their work cut out, but uh, they're used to some big programs there. So it'll be interesting. Let's just say that. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Tell me. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of sad, isn't it, the whole Nissan thing and the, how it's gone with the Kellys. I it, it obviously had a lot of promise at the whole at the start of that project, and you 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 kind of hoping they'd get on top of it. And they've worked so hard um, to get 
the car where it needs to be and where it is today. And you, you have to sort of, every time you, you talk to Todd Kelly, you kind of feel sorry for him because he feels like he's been through a, a fair battle to get to get to where he is with those cars and um, hasn't always had the, the helping hand from the from the category at times either. So, um, yeah, it, it was sad to sort of go see them go out and win through. It would have been nice to see them have a, a decent result because a lot of people have put a lot of hard work for those cars. Um, yeah, oh, but the, the good thing is next year, uh, you only have to talk to, to Todd and Rick. You can see how excited they are about next year already. Um, so I'm, I'm really hoping they have a, they have a strong year uh, in 2020 because they, they, they deserve a bit of success down there. Well, my, my... I'll tell you what, sorry, Rich. Mm. Sorry, Rich. I, I was walking alongside Rick O to one of the autograph signings on the weekend and the number of punters who were genuinely stoked that they were going to Ford. Yeah, that right. was the, the yeah. takeaway for mine. The punters absolutely are on board with the program. So uh, that, uh, that's one uh, tick for them, I guess. Yeah, well, and that, that, I mean, that probably leads to the the whole discussion about the, the Mark v. Mark stuff, the Holden v. Ford stuff, that uh, I think we're not the only ones that agree it's back bigger and better than it's ever been, or for at least for a long time in the sport. So maybe that's going to be good, bringing... And, and Rick, you know, Rick's a champion of the sport. He's a Bathurst winner. Heimgartner's one of the fastest young blokes in the field. So there's there's real potential there. I was going to say that, that my very, 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 very early ridiculous season 2020 prediction is that Andre Heimgartner has a breakout year, and I reckon he'll lead that team next year in terms of where they finish in the championship, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if at some point he rocks up on the podium a couple of times. So there you go. That's that's a really early call on my behalf. Um, let's just talk for a moment about the Newcastle 500. Um, I'm going to go straight out and say it's it's quickly become one of my favourite events of the season. I love the end-of-year vibe, of course, and I like that about Homebush as well, but from the precinct, from... The fact that the general admission punter can get really close in a lot of spectator areas than perhaps is even advisable because it's pretty sketchy in places um, to the challenging circuit, to the scenery around it, to the pubs in the vicinity. Um, I reckon this event has become very quickly a gem in the Supercars Championship. Tom? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I, it's funny because... Uh... You know, when you when people say to you Newcastle, when I first heard about it, I, I knew nothing about the place, if I'm honest. But well, did you uh, for a moment think there. that we were popping back to the UK for a yeah. straight race up there? Or yeah, I thought, well, this is going to be cold. Um, Birmingham so, Super uh, Pre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it's but how it's one of those gems, is it? It's a it's a lovely place. Like it's such a lovely place when you get there. You're like it's so picturesque. Uh, but the, we actually got to walk some of the track for the first time this year, and it's such a cool track. Like it's there's so much gradient and some real exciting and, and you're right, sketchy areas, but you, tracks need to have some sketchy areas. So um, it's it's really good. I agree with you, Rich. I think it's it's certainly one of my favourites uh, on the calendar. And, and when there's a obviously a top when it comes down to a title fight that goes down to the wire, what what better place could you have to to decide a title? I'm actually surprised that there wasn't a really big Chas Mostert style pinball down the hill out of turn two there because. It's deceptive. It's deceptively steep, isn't it? Mm. It's such a big downhill run there. You don't really see that in the TV or from the helicopter shots. Um, I think they've still got to do a little bit of sorting out with some of the logistics inside the track. It's a bit hard to get around a few areas. Um, if if I was in charge of the temporary fencing, I'd probably get rid of a lot of it. But the fans are so close, and in spots around the track, they were ten deep. Like yeah. I haven't seen a crowd like that at a street circuit of that size 
so far back from the fence. It was amazing. Yeah, well, to give that perspective, and that was your first Newcastle event, uh, the the first year had 30,000 more people over the three days. Yep. So it was even more rammed, and it wasn't as well laid out, and, and it wasn't as well situated. No, I, I think it's terrific, and that, that race does exactly what street racers should do for the region and why the government spend their money is because at no point would I have ever gone to Newcastle. It just was never on my agenda no. as a place to go and visit. You go to the Gold Coast for a holiday, sure. You know, you'd go to Canberra when they had a race, but you'd go there for other reasons. I don't know what they are, but you'd go there. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you, you go to these places that have these races, but Newcastle isn't one of them. And Townsville's probably in the same boat for me. Um but Newcastle more to the point because it's got this reputation of being a really gritty working class uh, city, which is certainly not a tourist trap, even to the point where Townsville is. So it ticks all the boxes in that respect. And from a New South Wales government investment point of view, they've dragged a whole bunch of people into the region spending money. And, you know, the thousand bucks I spent on accommodation and flights in and the rental car and all of that stuff is money that I wouldn't have spent in that part of the world, and, and I'm times several thousand doing it. So that's that's where these events work, especially when you take them to the regional areas. That's just my thought. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I agree. There. And, but for mine, it's that picture on TV from the helicopter of the beach. Yep. Who knew there was a bloody great beach there? That's yeah. fantastic. So I think that's the sort of selling point that they're able to, uh, you know, it's like service paradise. Mm. You know, you've got the beach right there. It paints a really good picture. Just a shame that the sun didn't come out. And I think there on the Sunday that wet weather in the morning might have just kept a few people away. But yeah. uh, light up and go again next year. And hopefully they can get their Kiss equivalent concert uh, <laughs> happening and get some more people engaged that way. Yeah, I, I feel... I like actually... Go. Sorry. I actually think that the street track is, is one of the great street tracks in the world, actually, if I'm honest. Yeah. Like, I know it's 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 one of those ones people won't think about, but if you actually go and look at it, and it is it is incredible. It's a, it's, it's it's amazing they race around it. Yeah, the the fact that it exists. But what what I love about it, like like all good street tracks, it's completely unique and in some places bonkers. So the Gold Coast has the beach chicane, which is completely insane and shouldn't yeah. exist. The Adelaide Five Hundred's got the Centre chicane, which has got so much history and it's got Turn Eight which is completely insane and shouldn't really exist. Uh, and Newcastle's got a lot of bits like that that are completely and utterly insane. And and I I personally loved going to Homebush. I thought that was a cool event. But it was just a bunch of 90-degree right-hand corners and one that everybody crashed at in the rain in 2010, and that was it. And it was spread out, and it was, and it was really, really wide, and it was in a city that has an apathy for major events anyway. So... Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Tom. I, I think it ticks so many boxes, and it's just full of character and, and really exciting place to be. Um, righto, let's we'll start wrapping things up. What, what Tom, while we're, we're lucky enough to have you on, and, and you've followed this series particularly closely this year for speedcafe.com, of course, what, what's your take out from the year? Do we get beyond the Bathurst drama? Can we look beyond that at the broader championship, or is Bathurst always going to be the... The, the exclamation point at the end of the 2019 championship. Yeah, it's 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 a shame, isn't it? I mean, it's I, I was just talking to you know a few people about it, and without sort of to coin one of our sort of media phrases, it has kind of been the year of the tear up, unfortunately. Which is then because there's just been too much, and Sean Seymour said this, it's just been too much off track and and scandal or not 
and not scandal, but you know, there's just been too many issues with parity. There's been the Bathurst debate. There's been all sorts of other stuff that have gone on, and unfortunately, it's kind of detracted from the actual performances on the track, which is a shame because Scott McLaughlin's achievements shouldn't really sort. They, they should be. Uh, he should be lauded for what's going on because that was a remarkable performance that he's uh, that he's done this year in that car. So, but I have to say, unfortunately, it's going to be one of those years where we're going to. I think we're going to be looking back on the on the issues rather than the uh, the, the records that were that were made. Uh, unfortunately, but that's yeah, that's sad because it shouldn't be like that. But uh, unfortunately, there's just been too much uh, off track stuff that's been going on that uh, has unfortunately sort of uh, overshadowed everything that's been uh, on track. You know, you look at Pukekohe. We had the Jamie Wind Cup thing there with the safety car and yeah. saying things about the officials and then the whole Bathurst, everything happened there. You had all the parody chat the whole way through. You had the parody changes the whole way through. It's been a crazy sort of year. It'll be interesting to see five years down the track what we think of it with a bit of time to uh, to numb what's happened in just these last few weeks. I hope it doesn't diminish the long-term look at Scott's second championship because, as you said, Tom... It was such a remarkable year, and the fact that through Hidden Valley, he only lost four races, and one of them he was KO'd on the warm-up lap by somebody else. Um, the other one was a fourth place at Simmons Plains, which was technically his first loss of the year, and then the other two were two second places. Outside of that, he won everything from Adelaide through to the first race in Townsville, and then he had a losing streak of two races. Um, it, it Utterly crushing, and, and everyone will debate the parody thing, and they'll debate the rules, but... At the time, they were the rules that everybody else had, especially everybody else driving a Ford Mustang. So I'm just concerned that we'll look back on and it will diminish this achievement because I think in the annuals of the history of this series in particular, you don't win back-to-back titles. It doesn't come along that often. And Mm. only the very, very best drivers have achieved that feat. And, you know, you go back to the likes of a Marcus Ambrose in a Ford who did that? So that that's my only little concern. I just I just massively hope that we can go back and look at it. And the beauty is for Scott, he's got a, a chance now to get away for a couple of months. He's off to the states already to go and get married to Carly and tie the knot there and come back refreshed in the new season um, with what we all hope is a level playing field and go around again and and try and win number three before what we all expect will be a a trip to the states permanently. To, to go and chase the NASCAR dream. So that's my point. Uh, while we've got you, Tom, uh, just a few quick ones. We're going to do a, a full season review show in the coming weeks here on The Grid. But I want just give me off the top of your head your favourite moment from the year. What was your, your highlight of 2019? And it doesn't have to be supercars. It can be on the, the TCR program, which you've followed as well. Well, that's... Uh, you've, uh, you've put me on the spot there. Yeah, I have. Um, that's what we do on this program, mate. No planning. Straight into it. Uh, I, I, it's going to be. I'm actually going to say um, uh, the two things that I really, really enjoyed uh, this year is seeing some of the younger guns come through, and uh, I mean Anton Di Pasquale and Andre Heimgartner and Todd Hazelwood. Those guys. Yep. At times this year, like Anton scoring a podium at Phillip Island, that was that was awesome. That, I think that was great for the championship. Great to see the future talent coming through. And like self with Andre also that weekend, but Todd Hazelwood, you know, you know, out outperforming Triple Eight in qualifying at times, uh, stuff like that. I think there's a real health in some of the young guns coming through. So those are sort of my 
that's what I'm going to take away from it. I think the other, th- the other point I want to make, that it's a sad point, and I think that needs to be covered, is I think it's pretty sad what uh, what happened with Ricky Stanaway uh, on Sunday night. Um, yeah. That uh, that that kid's got talent. Um, he's got real talent. He's shown what he can do in Europe, and I hate to think that that's his last ever race um, because I think that there's. I think he's in a bit of a bad place at the moment, but I, I honestly think there's talent there, and I, I hope someone comes in and helps him uh, and try, try and get his mind back uh, back where it needs to be and, and gets him back in the seat because I think he's too good a talent to be lost to, to motorsport. It's almost like, mate, he needs a coach, isn't it? He, he needs, like you say, someone to come and put the arm around him and, and sort out whatever it is that's going on behind the scenes and just get him back to his driving because the indications were coming into supercars that... He had every potential to set this thing on fire. And, and yes, he was driving a, a a car that was lucky to get into the top 20 at times. And GRM really struggled. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. So may, maybe that's the answer. I, I don't know. but I, And I just hope that that post he made wasn't a rash, emotive-driven post at the end saying, oh, I'm giving up car racing. Hopefully he can, with a bit of space and time, sit back on that, even if it's only for his own personal welfare and not, not for the career. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I suppose the other thing is that, that we should we should talk about Gary Rogers as well. Obviously, mm. that uh, being their final round in Supercars for now, I'm I'm sure they'll be back in the future. But um, massive massive uh, kudos to Gary Rogers and Barry Rogers. They've they've given everything um, over the years and made a lot of drivers' dreams come true. So they really deserve some credit. Yeah, amen to that. And we'll uh, certainly reflect on GRM's. Final full-time supercar season, at least for the full-time when we wrap up this crazy year that was 2019 uh, in coming weeks here on The Grid. Uh, That's all the time we've got for you this week, Tom. Mate, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Really appreciate it. Uh, Appreciate the fact you're probably still a little bit dusty from the the Supercars Gala. So you've done well to pull up. Um, And (laughs) congratulations on, firstly, all your awards, but for your impact on on the Australian motorsport media. We know it mustn't have been easy coming in... um, from the outside, from the UK, uh, and and leaping into this crazy local motor racing scene that we've got, but you've added a massive impact to it, my friend, and uh, it's certainly the poorer for you leaving, but we know that you'll still follow it very, very closely, and uh, I'm pretty certain you'll end up back here uh, at some point anyway. Yeah, thanks, Lars. Genuinely, uh, nice thing to say. I mean, uh, it's it's been a journey, as I said earlier. It's been pretty crazy at times, but... Um, just to be sort of accepted into that sort of core media group is like that. That's that's means such a lot to me because you know I've sort of had to come from scratch really to, to get into there. So to just to be accepted in the group of people that have worked in there for such such a long time is is quite an honour really. Um, so um, yeah, I'll, I'll miss a lot of people. It's uh, it's going to be quite a sad farewell, but it is a farewell. I'll, I'll hopefully be back soon. Mark, what, what's the cartel going to do without Tommy Howard as part of the mix? Good grief. Oh, that's the end of the cartel, isn't it? News <laughs> is over. It's all done. Done and dusted. The others are going to have to lift their game and do some work now. Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, Tom, thanks for your time tonight. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. There's Tom Howard joining us on the grid. Mark, thank you. Uh, you'll be back next week. We're going we're gonna to wrap this year up in 40 minutes next week. I don't know how the hell we're going to do it, but we're going to have a crack. So uh, we'll see you then. Good luck. That's Mark Walker and Tom Howard joining us on The Grid. That's our show for this week. 
Thanks very much for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast via mypodcasthouse.com, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, or your favourite podcast app. Head to theracetalk.com for all your latest news and views around the Australian motorsport world and some amazing photos as well. Award-winning photos this year, we might just add. And of course, we couldn't do this without the great support of our friends at Truck Assist, powered by National Transport Insurance. NTI have been great supporters of Australian motorsport and their Truck Assist brand is going to be bigger and more visible next year. They'll be on the side of Lee Holdsworth's car, They'll still be on board with Jack LeBrock as well. They'll still be backing the Truck Assist Winton Super Sprint at Winton Motor Raceway and some more exciting announcements to come. Thanks to the team for their support throughout the 2019 season. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back to do it all again for the final time next week with a massive season wrap-up from 2019. Bye for now. This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com.